0: Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Hacker Public Radio Audiobook Club. Today, I am joined by Brome. Hey. Integral. Hey. And Resno. Yo. And I am Pokey, if you didn't know that. So this time, we reviewed the audiobook uh, by the name of The Handbook for the Criminally Insane. And unlike our other two audiobooks that we've done so far, this one came up with some mixed reviews. Uh, Some of us didn't like it, and some of us liked it. So, uh, who liked it? Who wants to start?
1: I actually liked it. I thought it was pretty interesting, some of the stuff. Um, Parts of it were kind of questionable. I thought, okay, so I liked it. I'll stop there.
2: Integral, I know you had a thought you wanted to share. I absolutely hated this audiobook. I had a really hard time actually finishing it. (laughs) Brom, how did you do with it?
3: Well, you know, I didn't actually think it was that bad. I kind of struggled through some parts, but I just kind of put it on in the background when I was doing work and paid attention.
0: Yeah, I didn't enjoy this one either, and I listened to it twice. Oh, you poor
2: soul.
1: I think one of my, my biggest issue was uh, Brian Holtz, the author. He didn't vary his voice, and so a lot of times it was hard for me to figure out what person's actually speaking. You know, is it Monica or is it the other girl? Or you know who who's actually speaking here,
0: Monica and Betty, yeah, I got those two mixed up a lot, pretty much everybody else I was okay with though oh, And her other redheaded friend there
3: <laughs> I actually didn't have any problem distinguishing the voices, I just felt that they weren't distinguished enough, as opposed to say, like shadow magic, where you could definitely tell who was speaking
0: i I will give him that I thought the recording quality was really good. I had no complaints about that. Someone mentioned to me that they heard his um his like his breathing in the background but you know his intake of breath and I
2: didn't notice that you had to really listen for it if you wanted to find that kind of stuff I will say that the audio quality was good it had some parts where it kind of grated on me a little bit but mostly that just came from him being monotone
0: I'd say the recording was exceptional uh, especially compared to a lot of the a lot of the books you get on on Podio books and on uh, Librivox.
2: I mean, even compared to Shadow Magic, the recording on that's not the greatest because it it kind of levels all over the place. From one episode, it's really soft, and then the next one, it's really loud, and then Lunis is blowing your ears out.
3: Yeah, this was pretty consistent.
0: Yep, yeah, that's true. It was. I agree with you guys on that.
1: So this is by far my first patio book. So I'm really coming into this with sort of like blind eyes into the whole scene. Um, so, yeah.
0: It gets better, I promise.
1: <laughs> well, see, it wasn't bad for me. So, you know, you all like kind of like really, really attacked this book. And, you know, I thought it was, I thought it had some of its flaws, but I, I really liked the, the general story. I kind of liked some of the uh, things that went on. Some of the storyline I got, um, I couldn't, I guess I didn't understand the progression of the story. Sometimes it felt kind of confused and all over the place. Um, and I, one other thing, that sound effect when he was—I guess the scene, a change of scene—or I, I really didn't know what the sound was for because it—it it wasn't consistent across the the chapters in the
3: book. Is it like a flatter or something? Uh, yeah, he definitely used that for a scene change.
1: But sometimes he didn't, you know, sometimes it would just be uh, like, a, a, I thought, at first I thought it was like a page change, like changing the page. But it, sometimes it was a scene change, other times it wasn't. And I listened to see if it was consistent, and to me it wasn't consistent. Maybe, maybe you all think something different.
2: What I thought was going on is in a lot of cases he kind of just let it happen. And then sometimes he did use the sound effect, and other times he used the sound effect to do a a time lapse, but keep inside the same area. And I think whenever it came to like you know a time lapse or something like that, you kind of need to say, "Hey, four hours later."
0: I'm not even sure that I really noticed it, but I could see what you're saying. And had I had I paid closer attention, I probably would have noticed it. But that's something that Lost in Bronx has talked about, and Clatu has talked about, where if you're gonna put sound effects into a recording you really have to be consistent with them
1: because i found myself getting lost in what was the meaning of that sound effect because it wasn't consistent you know if, if you're watching a movie they can frame the movie and you can see the progression but in an, in an audio setting you know that sound to me means one thing and if all of a sudden like my cell phone if i hear a ding and i set that for text messages i know that's a text message i don't expect a ding for when i'm getting a phone call so for me that really like kind of took me off a notch because I didn't expect that sound to be multiple things.
3: You could consider it part of the story, though. It, it's supposed to be a little bit disjointed. He's juggling a lot of threads in the air. He's, he's got a lot of different things going on, so if you're a little bit confused, the whole nature of the story is that it's a little bit chaotic. You could argue that it's a stylistic thing, but the thing is, I don't think he pulls it off well enough to do it.
2: That's what I was going to say to join onto that, is that the book is too disjointed. It's got too much going on at any one time. And maybe reading it, it'd be a little different, but hearing it spoken from him just doesn't work as well.
0: That's my biggest complaint about the book as well. My second biggest complaint is that not a lot of things in it made sense. He got a lot of stuff like factually wrong along the way. But the fact that there were so many threads that had nothing to do with one another, they just kind of interacted just because of the characters in it, but they didn't have anything to do with each other. That That kind of frustrated me a little.
1: It kind of reminded me of Lost, you know, the, the TV series where things would appear and then disappear, and you'd wonder, what ha- what the heck happened with that? And then, I guess, that sort of progression of just a random series of events that culminated in, into nothing.
2: Not only that, but then also, just like Lost, it'd be like, hey, random rules change. <laughs> they present something as, this is what's happening, this is how this works, and then all of a sudden, it doesn't work like that anymore. That really throws you off. Especially when there's no explanation as to why
3: I'll need specifics, but I'll have to wait till after the beverage thing. The one thing that really bothered me was the several extraneous characters, like the first character he introduces he doesn't play any part in the story. he's just kind of there, and they bring him up in the middle, and then it's like, oh, at the end, we'll do this cute little wrap up where nothing changes.
0: Well, yeah, he did use him to introduce the axe murderer, and he is the same zombie who led the girl out later who helped but yeah, we... I don't know. I've said enough good things about this. I'm ready to drink.
2: <laughs> you know it's an amazing audiobook review when we're, you know, 12 minutes in and already drinking. What are you drinking? Well, in honor of the book, Malward. <laughs> okay, please explain this to the people who don't understand it. Well, oh, give me a second here. Somebody else go and, and I'll read from the bottom.
1: <laughs>
2: okay, so I have uh, a
1: pumpkin ale. I don't know if we're drinking beer, but I have a, a pumpkin ale.
0: How do you like it? What's it like?
1: So I'm not a beer like snooty person. I usually try to drink like a lot of craft brews. I like it. It's it's it has an interesting taste. It's uh, I actually like. Uh, I have a what's it? Dogfish Head Brewery. I have one of their uh, pumpkin brews as well. well. One thing that got me was, so I got like a four-pack. It was like 7 or $8 for a four-pack of uh, beer from the uh, Dogfish Head Brewery. I thought
0: it was, I thought that one was pretty good. I'm always afraid to buy a four-pack of beer when it's the same price as a six-pack. Yeah, but, but
1: people had told me, they're like, oh, you got to try it. And I'm like, it's so expensive. And they're like, hey, it's worth it. It's so good. It's so awesome. So, uh, yeah, I, that's why I bought it
0: i I would do that if someone said it was that good, then I would definitely do it it's um uh, can you taste pumpkin in it? You know, I really can't taste as much pumpkin as I thought I would taste.
1: um It doesn't have like a pumpkiny taste it's uh, something slightly different, but it doesn't taste like pumpkin in me like if I open up a pumpkin, it doesn't taste like that it's you know it's not as pumpkiny as I expected, I guess.
0: Huh, that's cool. I, I've had pumpkin coffees, and the more pumpkiny those are, the more I seem to like them, even though I typically don't like flavored coffee. But I haven't had a pumpkin beer yet. I, I think I'd like to try it. A pumpkin coffee? Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, pumpkin coffee's awesome.
3: Well, I guess that leaves me and Mr. Mute. So uh, I'm drinking, well, the only stuff in the house. I've got Sambuca, so I think I'm going to go with the black today.
0: Oh, Sambuca's delicious. How do you like that?
3: Um, it's a little sweet, actually. It's kind of more of a dessert liquor for me, but, um, since it's the only thing in the house, uh, I like strong licorice flavor. Hopefully it'll get me wasted enough that I won't actually remember how bad this book is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm a real fan of Zambuca. I like it. Black or white is fine. I don't really notice the difference between the two. But in coffee, I love it. And iced coffee.
2: All right, let me read this from the the label here. Most first-time drinkers of Jepson Mallard reject our liquor, It's strong, sharp taste is not for everyone. Our liquor is rugged and unrelenting, even brutal to the palate. During almost 60 years of American distribution, we found only 1 in 49 men will drink Jeppesen Mallort. During the lifetime of our founder, Carl Jeppesen, was apt to say, my Mallort is produced for that unique group of drinkers who disdain light, flavor, or neutral spirits.
1: Those (laughs) are some pretty bold statements there.
2: Yeah, pretty
0: much. Was it a a Flickr group or a fa- it was Flickr group, right? Yeah, there's a Flickr group for it, and they have the Malort face. It's people who try Malort for the first time, and they take a picture of them, and they put their face up there, and it's hilarious. Everyone should check out the Malort face Flickr group. It's amazing.
2: So in short, Malort does not taste good. Is that correct? <laughs> I would compare Malort, or actually, let, let me let me rephrase this. I used to compare Malort to being in a car wreck and having pretty much your entire family slain, and then a tire being stuck inside your mouth, and that's the entire feeling of Malort. <laughs> However, now I would probably compare it more to being in that same car wreck and this audiobook being stuck on the radio instead. <laughs> that's rough, dude. How do you spell
1: it? Because all I'm getting is malware. And am I not hearing the pronunciation correctly?
2: M A L
0: O R T. I've got a seasonal beer tonight. I've got a uh, a Long Trail, and the the it's Harvest is what it's called, and it's a brown ale, and it's um it's good, but it's not that good. I'm not I'm not real thrilled with it. It's uh, it says it's brewed with maple syrup. Which is appropriate because the Long Trail Brewery is in uh, is in Vermont, and that's that's one of their big exports over there. And I usually like the Long Trails. Uh, I like their double bag is is pretty good in flavor, and um, Long Trail will put you on your ass pretty fast if you're not care careful. It's uh, <clears throat> it does go straight to your head. But this one is kind of a um, it's almost a sudsy feeling in the mouth, but it's not a sudsy beer. It doesn't bubble a whole lot you uh it's got a really thick head when you pour it but it hasn't got much carbonation after that and it's very dark which i'm usually very fond of but it it's got such a light flavor to it i don't know it's just not what i was expecting how's the head retention on that um i don't know i haven't let it sit long enough to see how the head uh you know dissolves but there's still a little bit left in them about halfway down
2: okay that's pretty decent then
3: I bet if you take a shotgun to it, it lasts longer than some of the zombies in this book.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, my first complaint about this book
2: is the title. Hold on, hold on. Let me me reg you for a second here. (laughs) We've now entered the spoiler zone. If anybody,
0: after having heard the first part of this review is still planning on listening to the book you want to quit it now but since i don't think that there's anybody there in that category we're, we're just gonna go i did not like the title of this book handbook for the criminally insane there was nobody in this book who was actually criminally insane everyone who was what about the axe murderer
2: he was possessed he was demon possessed he was a bit part that was barely in the book the chapter names were all based on, you know, different things about the Criminally Insane or something that you would expect it to be, but they didn't describe the chapters at all. No, they didn't at all. And they had, like, a that kind
0: of 1920s-ish music going, and the guy would say, Choosing a Victim! And then they wouldn't choose a victim, it didn't have anything to do with it.
3: Well, didn't they kind of choose the innocent? That really wasn't a choice, it was sort of like, yeah, we need somebody who's innocent, well, there's exactly one person
2: in this entire town! But wait, all of a sudden there's three!
0: <laughs> and and she's just the person who just moved in. It's a good thing she
2: moved in here, because we didn't have any last week. Maybe it's a, a most innocent thing. Whoever the most <laughs> innocent person in town is, that's who they have to go with.
1: <laughs> well, she had the location, though, that the other people didn't. She was she was right across the street, so maybe that was the uh,
2: the
0: added benefit. That was another thing that I disliked about the book. She didn't have the location, because... The location was only good if the zombies had to lure her into the graveyard. But the mayor was demon-possessed. The police chief was in on it. The deputies were all in it. They could have just arrested her at any time and walked her (laughs) over to the damn graveyard. What the hell were the zombies for?
3: Maybe it was that she had to come over of her own accord or something. They kept trying to lure her. Maybe it was the fact that none of the zombies or the demon-possessed could actually go in the house because it was protected by the ghost. So it could have been that, that they just couldn't go in.
0: Yeah, but I'm saying, you know, she went to the police station. She was in the police chief's office. All he had to do was just
2: arrest her. Slap a couple cuffs on her and chunk her in the graveyard.
0: But then that ruins the
1: story. You know, what's the storyline if you just, you know... Uh, <laughs> this is the problem you run into a lot of movies. You know, if you, you say, well, you could just cut this whole thing out if you just did this one action, you don't have a storyline.
3: Well, is it a storyline worth having? <laughs>
0: That's a very good question.
3: I
1: mean, my wife watches movies where I'm like, well, if you just cut that part out, this movie would be over already. And so I guess you asked the question, you know, I guess, is it worth having?
0: I didn't see the zombies as worth having. They were there just to be zombies. They they served no purpose in the underworld. They served no purpose in the overworld. I, I don't know why
2: they were there other than zombies. I think the only two internet clicks that this guy missed, Pirates and Ninjas. He hit everything else in this book. He's got robots, he's got zombies, he's got aliens, he's got uh, freaking demons.
3: He's got robot sex.
2: Exactly. It's all over the place. And
0: discordant to boot. Had he tied them together any better, it probably might have helped to make some sense, but it just it didn't make sense the way that it was. Like Everything that was in there was like a convenience. It was really convenient for him to have... A robot superhero, you know, and it was really convenient for him to have a ghost that could scare away all the zombies and all the monsters and every other thing. I'm not sure where he, where, he, what he was trying to do with it.
3: I have this thing where I can really suspend my disbelief, like you know how a good story is always supposed to be the willful suspension disbelief. So I was like, yeah, this is a pretty good story. I mean, there's some good pacing. I mean, there was that. If you ignored all the the various plot holes, it's like yeah, there was some good pacing. There's some suspense and. There was that whole point where they introduced that one guy who goes off on his own, and he's like, oh, yeah, I found the robot that was stolen. And it's like, yeah, for a quick second, you actually worry that he's going to succeed, but you know that the whole plot depends on him getting eaten, and that whole plot device is neatly tied up. It was
2: sort of like, yeah,
3: that could have been expanded some more.
2: They introduced that character to have the robot shut down for five whole minutes worth of story time five minutes there were 14 chapters in the book and he showed up in 13 exactly another character that could have completely been thrown away from this book and it would have had no problems and he had the same effect as like a secret super weapon does in a science fiction book wait so he's he's using my absolute favorite form of literary device here is that what you're saying could that be why i hate this character it seemed to me that yes, he he was there just for you. Do you not like the secret super weapon? Deus ex is my least favorite of all literary devices. It's such a cop. It, there's better ways to do it. Always. If he were an interesting character,
0: he would have shown up in chapter one or chapter two, and he'd have been hunting the whole time. Um, and if people are familiar with with books, like think of a jc hutchins character where the guy's just struggling and struggling and struggling at something the whole time and finally he has a timely breakthrough i mean that's understandable but this guy just showed up and was like "Ha ha! i have found her the fbi couldn't find her the other people couldn't
3: find her
1: but i'm the one who found her and with these three switches i'm gonna deactivate her
3: well she is a badass <laughs>
1: I will say the one thing that I really thought was kind of cool uh, was the one con- the conversations between the two women. I found it to be like really, I could see, I could really picture that whole conversation going on. Um, and when it happened, it was kind of, I don't know, kind of cordial to me. I really liked cordial, is that the right word? I, I thought it was kind of cool how they did that, the conversa- at least the conversation between them. It kind of made it more realistic in, in that sense to me. That's my positive comment, wow.
0: Those conversations pulled me out of the story every time they happened. Because all I could think of when I heard those two chatting was, doesn't this chick work? How can she afford to buy a house out in the middle of nowhere and just not work? Well, that's breaking with the storyline.
3: It needed to be explained. It really did. It's like, okay, yeah, she just buys a house out in the country. Well, what's she gonna do?
2: Don't you understand? The reason that she bought the house out in the country is so she could be part of the story. And it's not like I'm asking a question that wasn't
0: asked. She asked Betty, don't you work? So, you know, it came up. This is not just me being picky. She asked Betty, do you have a job? What do you do for work? And Betty's, oh, I'm independently wealthy. But then this girl just never, not once, does it come into, into the story what she did for work, what she plans to do for work. Does she have money of her own? You know if if the author's gonna have the character ask that, he's gotta answer it for her.
3: Otherwise it flattens the character out. You're exactly right, Pokey. And and the big thing I was like was, well yeah, this this check's loaded, but like, you know, even like sponging off the alimony checks would have been,
0: you know, perfectly explainable.
2: And relatable. Well, only to some of us.
3: I didn't actually mean it in that way, Pokey.
0: <laughs> no, I know you didn't, but I mean Whereas the, the question was never asked, it took me right out of the story. Every time they talked, I'm going, when is she going to go to work? When is she going to find a job? But had she said, I'm sponging off my ex, um, I've got an alimony settlement, I've got this, that. Okay, you can relate to that. And I didn't mean personally, I meant as a character. You're Okay, now I can relate with that character. Now I'm interested in what happens to her.
3: Really? That's amazing. i say, oh, you are probably be rooting for her death.
0: <laughs> I, I know I would, considering... What Pokey just suggested. However, that's a little different. I didn't really root for anything in this book. I just rooted for the chapters to be shorter.
3: I actually liked them long because that means I had to drag, you know, another file and just them a little less often.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so in comparison to other Podio books, is this, were the episodes or chapters, are they generally more chapters or are the chapters
2: usually longer? It really depends on the author. In my opinion, I wouldn't look at it as chapters. Look at the thing from, you know, start to end, because you can pause a audiobook book at any time. Yep. As long as you have an MP3 player that can resume, you
0: can stop it in the middle of a, of an episode and, and walk away. And
2: if you don't, please one.
3: Like for example, Shadow Magic, they ended he ended every chapter with a cliffhanger. So the idea that when you were getting this original, when it was serialized, it was like, man, I can't wait for the next episode. This time it was just like, Ugh. You know, I'm not really excited to read the next chapter. I'm just kind of doing it for this, you know, review.
0: That's exactly why I listened to it. I listened to it the day after we recorded the last book club. And I listened to it all in one day because I just couldn't wait for it to be over. And I didn't want to do it in more days. But then everybody took so long to listen to it. I had to listen again so I could remember because I'd forgotten about it. I blame Dan. The people
3: note is not even here.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'll take the blame for it because I started right in that very next day talking about how bad the book was. That's my fault. It fault fault for picking it, but my fault for turning everybody else off.
2: Well, I was turned off by the title, I won't lie. Um, little did I know, the title's actually the part of this book. <laughs> oh. <laughs> to be honest with you, I'd rather listen to Carrot Top do a 12-hour audiobook on prop comedy than listen to this book again.
0: The cover didn't draw me in either.
2: Definitely not. I
0: have, to, I have to tell you,
1: though, the guitar riff that opened up the story was awesome. I loved it. I danced to it every time it
0: came on. You and your guitar riff.
3: <laughs> I got a little tired of it.
0: It was really well done, but it's not my kind of music, so I just it didn't do anything for me. Did you like the more classical tune that followed? The one where he told you the title, uh, the chapter of the book?
2: Yeah, that one was actually better. But see, the, it, the book itself had a very clockwork orange effect on me. So, while I'm listening to beautiful music at the same time, I know I'm gonna start throwing up any moment now.
3: Was your head gonna spin around and you start projectile vomiting?
2: <laughs> no, no, that's that's a different movie. That's another thing too. is a lot of
0: what actually happened in the book I didn't want to hear about you know I didn't want to hear about them digging up some little kid and folding the corpse up and' I'm, I just I got to that part in particular and was like, you know. This is not what
2: I want to hear.
3: The robot sex was hard for me.
2: <laughs> it was all pretty descriptive where it just didn't need to be. In fact, I'd say it was ruthlessly descriptive.
3: I appreciated that.
0: I think he was going for that in a like a genre sense. He was going for the, the gore and the gruesomeness. And I can understand that, but and I can even accept it in certain cases. But the stuff that he talked about I just I, I just yeah, didn't want
2: to hear it. Yeah, I very often found myself tuning part of the book out or removing my headphones till he stopped talking about somebody's guts or whatever, especially in the zombie scenes.
3: Like the cop being uh, handcuffed naked to the goat? That was pretty funny, though.
2: That was
0: actually i I thought that was funny. And I thought a lot of the zombie scenes were actually funny. Had had he made a comedy about zombies, I'd be all in. Resno, what did you think of his descriptiveness and, and gore and all that? Were you bothered by it, turned on by it, whatever? Uh, um... I,
1: I thought it was pretty good. Um, so, as I said, this is my first audio book. So, um, I thought I thought his descriptiveness was enough to help paint the scene. Um, I tried to listen as much as I could, and there was no part where I said, I'm just going to turn it down and walk away. Um, I listened as thoroughly as possible. Oh, you know the other thing. I, I, the one thing that kind of that I, w- I was actually making notes because I said, okay, I want to make sure I, I cover these points uh, during the talk. Um, the one thing that kind of took me off was all the cliches. And so one, he said, uh, uh, in in life there are like drivers <laughs> and and riders. Be a driver or something. You know, like from the the Volkswagen commercial.
0: Yeah, and he kept he kept switching them from life to death because they were always zombies doing it.
3: Yeah, I hated those pop culture references. I mean, I got the point. I mean, the guy was supposed to be like this really annoying, like motivational speaker. It's like, yeah, you've nailed it. Can we move on?
2: I think part of this has to do with the author himself. Um, at, at a certain point, whenever he's talking about the little demon dog and it's changing shapes and stuff like that, he, he literally says that the dog changes shape into a lion and then a tiger and then a grizzly bear. Oh, my. And nowhere within his next sentences did he say, oh, my. It wasn't there. The opportunity was there. He wrote it into the book, and then he completely ignored it. And the cliches didn't end with the
0: the ad guy, the motivational speaker guy either. They were all through the book. At one point, someone was naked as the day they were born, I specifically remember. And there was all kinds of stuff like that.
1: So, yeah, that that bugged me. Those, Those constant references... I mean, if you make one that's fine, but but all throughout the book i just, i got tired i got ti- i did get tired of hearing that because it it kind of lost his originality and and his uh vision
0: i guess of the book um so yeah, Dan, what did you think of the cliches?
4: I was not overly put off by the cliches, i must admit i um did did not detract me from enjoying any chapters of this book.
3: Did you enjoy any chapters of the book?
4: I enjoyed every single chapter of the book. To me, it was like listening to a a really fun B movie.
1: But you are, by definition, saying that it is a lesser a lesser book, um, right?
4: I do not imply that it is a lesser book. I just said to me, it was like listening to a B, um, like a B horror movie. Like watching a B-horror movie. And I'm not saying... I love B-horror movies. I, I don't think it was badly written. But, I mean, it's... It's not any... It's not Hawthorne.
3: I definitely got in my mind's eye. I was like, yeah, I'm painting a scene as he's describing it. You know, I had a lot of paint to work with because he was very descriptive, as we've covered before. Was sort of like, yeah, this comes off as a B horror movie. There's lots of like little jumps in the plot, and there's lots of little contrivances, and it's a little cheesy, and you're getting the Limburger territory towards the end of it with all the cliches. But that's what I got out of it. It was it was definitely trying to be like a B horror movie.
4: Yeah, I mean, I guess when like when I started listening to it, and I was like. I was captured by the talking zombies, you know, communicating with one another, seeing stuff from a zombie's perspective, you don't usually get a lot of that, and then, uh, you know, it kind of went over to deep end with the robotic, um, bionic woman, um, and, you know, the demonic chihuahua and everything, it just, it got crazy, but I thought he pulled it together pretty well.
0: Dan, I want to know what you thought about the zombie speak and the zombie
4: translation. I enjoy. I, I guess kind of enjoyed the fact that the zombies could communicate with one another. It provided a human element to the zombies, and they were quite. I thought a lot of them were comical. Was it Tom? Every time I heard Tom, I kept thinking of um, "Guarding Your Brains" by Jonathan Colton. You know that that that's every time I heard him speak or they referenced his name, I kept thinking of that song. But uh, I was not thrown at all by the zombie speak. I didn't
0: mean their dialogue, though. I meant their speech, their, their, <laughs> which translates
4: to. I guess it kind of took a little bit away from it. I, I don't know. It's the whole thing when she was walking um, with, um, oh, what's the red-haired chick's name? Was it Sue? Help me, somebody.
3: I think it was Sue. I, I think we'll just go with that name. I uh, Suzette? Suzanne? I think it was
4: Suzanne. Main character was Mo- Monica was the main character? Monica. Yeah, and Suzanne, I think, it was her friend, the red hair that the kidnapped. That whole thing, like, I, if I was Tom the zombie, I would have killed her right off the bat because <laughs> she was just... Annoying? Had no redeeming value whatsoever. And how she could be the one, I don't know, but um, how she could be the, quote, innocent, I don't know.
3: Totally missed a lot of room for the blonde, the brunette, and the redhead walking to, you know, X jokes, you know, but I'm totally missed that opportunity
4: the ineffective charlie's angels you know i don't know yeah the zombie talk enjoyed being able to you know get a little insight into seeing what they were saying i could have done without the blurg and the glurg <laughs> what the hell <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's translates to i hated this book
4: how could you hate the book it wasn't that bad
1: no, no, it wasn't that bad. Um, I will say that the, the translations, I, I like the perspective of being able to hear their what they're saying and what's going on with them. But for me, I think just that extra step of blah, 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 okay, that translated to hello, how are you doing? Um, it kind of, I guess, slowed it down a little bit and slowed
0: down the progression of it somewhat. Yeah, this voice would have been enough. <laughs> he he could have just stopped doing it after chapter
2: one, and it would have been fine. He, you're right. He could have just stopped the book after chapter one, and it would have been fine. God,
4: <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> you know what? I I really I thought the zombies were hilarious through a lot of this. They're little antics to get her to come out of the out of the. Um, out of the house, and the whole concept of them just not being mindless I'm gonna chase you down and eat your brains type thing, but when she came out with the shotgun, they took off but half of them were
2: completely mindless
4: literally, they didn't have minds in their
1: heads
2: yeah, they'd been blown out or torn out or
4: whatever rotted out they still had enough sense to get the hell out of there (laughs) when danger came around
3: I didn't like the whole, like, plot device of, oh yeah, we just kind of screwed up the ritual. Like, that was kind of just silly. The fact that, like, Tom was the only one that kept his free will or whatever. Like, oh yeah, I don't want to do this, I'll help you. But what I actually do is completely useless.
4: That was the one thing I didn't mind. Wow, people are all over the place with this book.
0: Yes.
3: There's lots to find fault.
0: Yeah, how about the part where, uh, you know, the the scientist, the eat the mad scientist, of course, steals the robot <laughs> and the thing controlling it. And the hardest part about it was getting the emotions to work. But he just did that.
3: No, the hardest part was loading the damn thing on the pillar. I mean, he was talking about, like, this control unit's it's huge. It's like, how do you play it underground and not get noticed?
4: That whole thing where they tracked it down, that guy, That, that I thought that was kind of pointless. I could have done without him going down, finding the barn. Turning off the supply, having that whole trying to create suspense by having her shut down.
3: Yeah, we covered that earlier, and we pretty much had the same opinion as you. I mean, the thing that really bothered me was the dude is such a great programmer, yet his security can be broken by a (laughs) (laughs) 10-year-old.
4: Duh.
0: just type override, Rome. Don't you know that trick? Don't forget, he did have several backup batteries. Those were there for protection. How many people in the room right now have ever had a backup battery last longer than two, three, four years?
4: Not me. Fuck you, they last six months.
2: Yeah, those were ten-year-old batteries. I haven't had a pair of double-A's last that long that I didn't use.
3: Well, I was going to say, maybe you should turn down the intensity on your personal massager.
2: (laughs) Those are your batteries. Also, you do know.
4: I will say, listening to Pokey, and I think... Integral playing so much about this book on i r c before I even started it, I came in with like, Oh, this is going to be horrible, but I was surprised that bad
2: so what you're saying is is that our complaining made this book better
4: <laughs> I don't know I don't know. I just the way you guys were coming off and saying it was terrible, it was so hard to get into it dragged i I didn't get that at all when I started listening to it. he appreciated the positive points. Is that
0: why you didn't like the Lunessa music last time?
4: I do not and I will stand by the fact that when the book three comes out I will not enjoy the Luminesa music. Lunessa, whatever they are. I just hope he picks new themes. You know what that would probably go a long way. And that's probably one of the things that I notice about this book too. The transitional music or whatever in there very quick. And it wasn't wasn't as I thought imposing and repetitive and as Lumessa got, had he chosen different songs or something uh, in between, maybe books, I might have not grown the disgust. Desized Lumessa.
3: Yeah, we complained about the the flatter, especially between scenes, a little earlier. The the biggest complaint we had was that it wasn't consistent. Did you find that at all, Dan?
4: Which wasn't consistent. A little. <laughs> Times, yeah, I saw that. I should say I heard that. Sorry.
1: It became a device to do whatever he wanted to do, whether that be a scene change or a uh, couple minutes later or whatever he thought thought it should do at this particular moment in
4: time. I will kind of also say, um, you were ta- you were talking about. I heard you talk about the chihuahua changing into the lion, the tiger, and the bear. Oh my! I was a little like disappointed in that because you got these zombies running around, and you got these like really imposing demons running around. And what does the main bad guy turn into? A giant bear and a shark. And then, then at one time he turned into a griffin.
3: All I can say is the shark did not have freaking laser beams.
4: <laughs> pew, pew. That would have been awesome.
0: So when he did turn into the shark, Dan, were you absolutely terrified? Were you on your inflatable
4: kayak when you heard that part? No, but uh, I'm glad I wasn't, because I'd have been shaking in my shoes. No, I read, I read most of the, or listened to most of this, i think, doing yard work.
0: And was it better
4: than yard work? Very, a whole lot better than yard work. You must have a big yard,
3: Dan. I don't know when, when the guy, when the demon turned into like the third form, I was just like, come on, end this fight already.
4: I, I could have had a little more death in this. Like everybody survived at the end, and it was all good.
3: Well, for various values to survive. Didn't Tom need need an axe again?
4: Who didn't get
0: an axe?
3: This book budget.
0: Did anybody else find it also annoying? You know, a lot of the technical things annoyed me. And not just like, you know, oh, I know more about computers than the author of this book, but like other technical things where, you know, uh, Betty is underground, but yet her radio still works. You know, they're 60 feet down under dirt and water and stone. But she's receiving just fine. And then her walkie-talkie breaks, but she doesn't have it built in that she can listen to the walkie-talkie.
2: She's got it built in that she can pick up TV channels.
4: That's a good point. Probably
3: licensing rules.
2: Didn't they specifically say that she uses shortwave radio?
3: She talked to the the satellite via AM. A lot of AM is, you know, you can do AM with walkie-talkie.
0: Yeah, yeah, but she just said she could she could just close her eyes and watch television. But she can't pick up a, a walkie-talkie. That's a good point.
3: Wow, that's a huge hole.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of that stuff at the beginning before you were made aware that she was a robot. That you know she she talked about stuff like that, like the peri- she's never been outside the perimeter, and she can pick up television just by closing her eyes, and like silly things like that that were. I don't know if they were meant to be hints, but they didn't really come across as hints to me.
1: The perimeter is something I brought up with uh, Integral. We were talking when I said, "What's this whole deal about the perimeter?" And this was before I had—I think he had finished it, and I was still trying to progress through the through the book. And he said, "Oh, it doesn't mean anything." I think it's one of those things that they drop later on, but it really came back to be something about uh, you know the her being a robot and whatnot. But uh, on a side note listening to, if, if someone just listened to excerpts of this whole conversation, it's really kind of funny because you're like the dog that turned into the griffin and all this stuff, and it's like wow, this story is really all over the place.
2: That's what it felt like listening to it. Like I said, it hit every single genre except pirate ninja. <laughs> I'm going to paraphrase something
0: I heard on another podcast, but I, I don't know if you guys ever listen to Geek Nights, but the guy on their rim someone apparently once said to him I think you tried to do too much with that and I thought that about this book all over the place I would
2: agree with that
4: I would uh, that's a tough one part of me was like alright I'm in I, I bought it all listening to it I took the package home I, I okay I got it another part of me kind of agrees with you on that that there was just a whole lot of, of of so much stuff thrown in here that I wonder had he got rid of the you know the robotic heroin or supernatural if the direction that story could have taken.
2: No, I think if he had gotten rid of the heroin, he wouldn't have had a story anymore.
4: The ro- no, the robot. You think if he didn't have the robotic heroin, there would be no story?
2: Oh, I thought you meant like actual heroin. Yeah.
4: Well that's one thing that wasn't this There wasn't no drug use in this book was there
0: No there was no drug use Just like there was no insanity
4: Well there was insanity Because uh, The axe dude And the guy who wrote the journal went insane They were possessed for weren't insane
0: All right. Yeah cause the axe murderer dude He was exorcised he became a good guy
2: Again just like the zombie became a good guy Again
3: well, the whole point is he was a good guy for, like, exactly, what, one chapter?
2: Wait, so you're saying that most of the characters in this book were there the entire time to do something in one chapter?
3: Yeah, didn't he die, like, the next chapter? He was there as basically a giant deus ex machina. Oh, I did something really bad. The, the the what was it, the shaman woman? She was there for one chapter just to reverse him. And then he came back, and he did something, and then he sacrificed himself so somebody could get into a better position. And that was the end of his whole story.
0: Yep. Dan, I want to ask you something, too. And we we talked about this before you got here, but you said you bought the whole book. So what did you think about the fact that the zombies couldn't get to the house and couldn't capture her, but the entire evil side of this depended on the fact that she needed to be captured and brought into the cemetery, but all of the people that were on the bad guy side, other than the zombies, you know, the, the sheriff and the... Um, the mayor and all the deputies—they could have just grabbed her at any time and just brought her over there. What
4: did? Well, I kind of got the impression that there was a little uh, middle management going on in this whole thing, and not the left hand wasn't talking to the right hand in, in, into all this, and that the whole concept of finding the innocent sacrificed, was left to the job of the zombies, and everybody else was more worried about getting the mayor re-elected or something. But I do see what you're saying. Because it almost... Right, it does... And it does feel like precisely the left hand was not talking to the right hand.
0: My favorite character in the whole book was the hamster. Because he was the most believable.
4: (laughs) And it was sad when he died, too. (laughs) Squish.
0: I thought it was funny when he died. It was one of the only parts I laughed at. God killed God. <laughs>
1: oh my God,
0: Resno, did you have a favorite character? Because you liked the book.
1: Um, I, uh, I didn't. I don't know. I liked the. My, I think my favorite thing was just the conversation between uh, Betty and Monica. I, I guess I kind of. I, I think I liked. Uh, was it? Betty was the Betty was the robot?
0: Yeah, Betty was the robot.
1: Yeah, I I think I like Betty. I think I like Betty. Um I think Monica had some some redeeming qualities, but I guess I kind of I like I both of them as characters. I just liked their uh the conversation felt believable. That was pretty much the only thing that I thought was like really spot on.
0: You like the girl talk?
1: I like the girl talk.
3: What about Dylan's Stallone run there again, where you know he's like running from the, the you know, oh, we're going to have to swim away from this gigantic explosion, oh, I might die. It's like, yeah, Dylan's not going to die. And he was more interesting than a lot of the other characters. Just like, oh, yeah, I'm this paranormal activity searcher. And it's like, yeah, you can imagine this kook driving around in a little van looking for ghosts. <laughs> that was actually kind of entertaining.
1: You know, it was, and I think he, he brought something interesting to the storyline. Um, especially, I thought it was kind of cool when he was walking around with the, uh, with the, uh, the, the equipment figuring out where the, the ghosts were downstairs in the basement. You know, I thought that was kind of cool, and I could kind of believe that being like a, a paranormal activity type of thing, you know, really down there and, and searching it all out.
0: The first time I listened to this book, the download for Chapter 6 got corrupted, and I didn't realize it, so it skipped from Chapter 5 to Chapter 7. And the only thing I missed was who the hell are these two people with the, the uh you know, chasing ghosts and where did this notebook come from? And when I went back and re listened to chapter six, the whole rest of that chapter was so completely useless and frustrating. And its only purpose was here's these two people and they have a notebook.
2: What what you're saying there is is you could throw entire chapters of this book out and it wouldn't even make a difference. It'd be just as confusing and just as crazy.
0: It didn't make any difference. I literally threw out chapter six unknowingly, and I missed nothing. It was the ghost hunting chapter where they looked through the house, and just nothing happened in that chapter.
3: I'll agree with that. It was really just to introduce the characters.
0: Those are some fighting words right there.
3: Yeah, they are.
0: <laughs> if anyone listening is friends with Brian Holtz, the author, please don't tell him about this.
3: Yet,
2: No, please do so he can never write another book and save my ears for the rest of eternity.
4: Oh, man, you guys are just lamin' on it too hard. I enjoyed it. (laughs) I would read another one of his, listen to another one of his.
0: Not me. You're in luck, Dan. He's got more.
4: Oh, I know he does.
1: Dan, I think the only reason that you find him interesting is because you came into the mindset that it was a B. It's a it's a B-list book, and if you come into it with the expectation that it's supposed to be A-list, then it doesn't match that. It's a if you if you by definition say it's a B-list, then you're fine with it, and it's a perfectly good book. But if you think that this should be a book that should hold up to the test of time, then I think we all basically agree that it's not an A-list book. It's a B-list book, or C, or D, or whatever else you want to call it.
0: No, the only reason Dan liked this book is because he likes Doba.
4: That's not true. I like zombies.
0: A good B-list movie, when Dan was talking about that, makes me think of like Shaun of the Dead. This was no Shaun of the Dead.
4: I can see this being made into a movie with Bruce Campbell in it.
2: No, Bruce Campbell (laughs)
4: wouldn't play
0: the shock. Bruce Campbell would kill himself first. Oh, come on. It was not that bad. Integral, didn't you see Bubba
2: Hotep? He would totally do this. I saw Bubba Hotep. I enjoyed Bubba Hotep. That at least had some interesting (laughs) factors to it, some story coherency, even if the plot was ridiculous. It had some intelligence in there. This just
3: Maybe the handbook for the criminally insane was what he used to write this book.
0: Maybe. I kept having the feeling, I kept having the thought that at the being beginning of the chapters when that like music came on and the old sounding recording happened it made me think that he found that those recordings before writing the book and he just tried to match up to what those were because they'd be fun to have in an audiobook those were my favorite parts of the book actually they were really good i kept hoping it would go deeper into that i I just now I went to podio
1: books just to look at the reviews and amazingly, the reviews seem to be pretty high. Almost five out of five stars, or at least, you know, four and a half stars.
0: Yeah, we've said that before, that you just can't trust the star reviews on podio Books. You just can't
2: trust star reviews, period.
4: I would give this book a three. I enjoyed it. Maybe not a five. I'd give it a three
3: out of seven. It had some redeeming <laughs> qualities, but it wasn't really great out of par.
0: i I'd give it a two and a half or a three, and, you know, I agree with you, Dan, it was that good, but there's so many better audiobooks available on Potio Books and on LibriVox that a two or a three, in my opinion, isn't worth my time. I would say I'd,
1: I'd, I'd give it a three. Um, I like some, some of those things that I liked about it, and uh, I guess that's where it stands with me.
2: I would give this book a two. Out of all the numbers in the universe that are positive and real. Ouch. Boy, I thought Brom was harsh.
4: You said that you don't see this book standing up to the test of time. Well, do you see Shadow Magic standing up to the test of time? In comparison,
0: yes, by far. <laughs> I've listened to Shadow Magic probably seven times, and I've enjoyed it every time.
4: That's, seven to- that's six more times than I have.
2: Only seven.
3: Well, you know, Lunasaid does kind of great on you. I mean, look, Shadow Magic was a book, even with some of the pronunciation errors like that and glaring. John Lennon has, knows how to pace and to tell a story. He's a career magician. Brian Holtz knows how to do a good audio recording. At least that's the summation I've been getting here. His book is just not very coherent, and it's it drives us nuts.
0: It makes me think that if he had given it to somebody to proofread first. Who would be harsh you know with him and honest with him maybe not as harsh as we've been but someone who would be honest he probably could have fixed it up because there were several storylines there that he could have gone with several
1: storylines for several different books if that you know or or a continuation of a book you know they could have had these uh, characters that they had and, and built up into several books
2: that's precisely what I mean wait a second maybe he wrote you know, 14 different books, but they were also <laughs> short, so he just shoved them all together into one.
3: No. I my like, you know, there's a certain amount of archetypes of stories, and one of them is like Hero's Journey, and you see it everywhere. I did not see any element of Hero's Journey. There was no growth of Monica. There was some growth of Betty, but it was us discovering Betty. It had nothing to do with, you know, everything was already there. It was like, oh, yeah, I did this, and then and then this happened. Oh, and I'm really like this. And then I buried my dead husband.
0: And she cried. A robot cried.
3: Hey, he was a good emotion programmer, remember?
2: It's hard. Doesn't mean she has tear ducts. So, I'm reading
1: here, I'm kind of looking over some of the website and seeing if there's any other details to gleam. It said it's a funny yet dark tale. Do you all think it was funny, in the least?
4: I said I found the zombies humorous.
0: There were funny parts, and it was intended to be humorous. So yes, I believe that's an accurate description.
3: I found a lot of the comeuppance scenes, as I said, like the cop getting handcuffed to the goat naked. That was hilarious. I laughed out loud when I heard that, and and other things that were pretty funny. A lot of the comeuppance, but just some of it was just like, Ugh, come on.
0: Yeah, the the cop being handcuffed to the goat was a humorous thing, and it was funny to picture, but. The goat was so convenient, and I really hate convenience in a in a story. That it, I it was still getting over the, trying to get over that when the humor came around and,
4: and missed me. That's why you hated this story, because like everything was convenient.
3: <laughs> Some convenience is okay. You're allowed to have like, oh hey, there's this thing here that you know we wrote in, and you know I I saw it as like, oh what can we do to this cop that's absolutely awful? Oh there's a goat here. We can just handcuff him naked to the goat. That'll
1: be perfect. You know, we talked earlier about the secret weapon that uh, that destroys everything. Uh, like in the sci-fi movies, you know, they got this perfect weapon that can destroy everything with one click. Um, those kind of conveniences I dislike because it, I think it ruins the whole plot line of the story.
0: Yeah, and that's what you had here with the goat. Had the author decided that it would be really, really funny to push the guy out of a plane, there would have conveniently been a plane in the field. <laughs> Or he could have fallen into pig slime. There would have conveniently been pigs. You know, whatever it was, he just threw it in there just for the punchline, you know.
2: If, for example, the guy hated manure, (laughs) he would have driven his old Chevy into a truck that poured manure all over him.
3: I hate you, McFly.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. This is...
3: Man, tough crowd.
0: I'm glad you guys are doing local recordings, because I know there's laughter there that i <laughs> have to try to make, you know, work now. <laughs> You're
1: going to hear tons of mumbling as well, like, what the heck, what, what am I talking about now?
0: <laughs> so... Yeah, I've said about all I have to say.
1: So, do I unveil the book that I've decided now, or is it some day in the future, or what?
4: I'm excited. Yeah, you. I, that's the only reason why I'm on here tonight.
1: <laughs> to hear my book suggestion?
4: Yes.
0: Yeah, we've been waiting for this.
4: I thought you liked us. I did. I thought you liked doing these things with us. I do, and I'm excited to do another one.
1: So, I'm in between two books, um, and I don't know which way to go. So, uh, Say one or two and that's how I decide. Seven. Okay. Uh the book the book is called Dead Hunt by Ken Crawford.
0: And this is one we can get for free somewhere, right? Like podio books? Yes, it's on podio books.
1: Correct, sir. It is is on podio books.
4: That that dead hunt or dead with the C word? H word. Oh H word, okay.
3: You know, Resnau is not that, you know, like, he's, he's coming through clearly <laughs> enough that I was completely not confused by that.
0: That would have been something in the book we just read, not something in the next one.
4: 17 chapters of goodness, huh? Have you started listening to this already?
1: Uh, I listened to the first chapter, and that's where I stopped. I, I listened to about maybe about 10 minutes of the first chapter.
0: Wow, that is one creepy book cover.
2: It really is. So according to to the Patio Books description here, Dead Hunt is Ken Crawford's chilling tale of a desperate father's undying love, a daughter frozen in time, and the small group of teens trapped in the aftermath.
0: If it's as good as the cover looks, I'm not going to like it because I don't like horror. But it's, I'm, I'm interested in it and I'm definitely going to enjoy it, but I'm not going to like enjoying it. I can I can predict that already. You're going to enjoy it, but you're not going to like enjoying
3: it? Dude, that's creepy.
0: Yeah, I just, I don't like horror a whole lot, and uh, this is going to, like, keep me up at
2: night. Okay, this, that one is is horror slash dark something. Supposedly, Handbook for the Criminally Insane is humor. <laughs> Supposedly. Hey, Resno, you said you
0: liked the conversation in this book a lot, and that the conversation was really believable and good, and, and you enjoyed that, and... If you enjoyed that in a book, there is a audio book that I think you would really, really like a lot. And you should check out, um, when, when you're done with, of course, Dead Hunt, you should check out Quarter Share by Nathan Lowell. If, if it's the conversation and the realism of the book you liked, you're going to go insane over that.
1: Really insane. Wow. Those that, that are bold words.
0: Dan will back me up on that. He's read them.
4: Um, I read the first one,
0: and it was really good.
4: Wait, this is a sequel?
0: No, it's not a sequel. There's, there's, sorry, Quarter Share is the first of like five or six books, and they're all just very good.
3: Ah, uh, okay. Well, I can see why Dan would like this next upcoming title. I mean, Ken Crawford spells his name with two N's.
0: Double N Ken. Ken double N. Dan, you're supposed to pipe up with something there. Anything.
4: I'm too busy looking at her face. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> can't tell if it's a little girl or a heroin addict.
3: Does it matter?
4: Not at this point. They're all heroin addicts in the end, aren't they?
2: Only in Brian Holtz's view.
4: Watch, she's going to turn out to be a robot, too. You just wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll quit. Awesome.
3: As long as she doesn't have a catchphrase like, well, I am a badass. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> let's hope the one-liners are down to a minimum.
3: Hey, Rocky, let's pull a rabbit out of my hat.
2: <laughs> i can uh, that little
0: girl on, on the cover of that book i can picture my little girls like dressing up like that just to make the silly face and just having a blast with it totally hoped it was like a family project
1: <laughs> i know there are multiple voices in it so let's hope i was hoping that that would bring something a little bit different to the uh the scene
0: you mean somebody did voices better than in this one or there's different actors doing the voices
1: there are different actors uh so let me whenever this thing pops up again i'll tell you what the other what i was uh, the other choice um but i listened to this one and it had multiple people in there and i uh, thought that might if there was multiple people maybe that might bring it something different i guess
4: just looking through the um chapter list? I don't see a lot of the author narrating anything in here, or, or performing in this at all. Yeah, I think he does
1: the prologue, but then kind of like hands it away to some other people to do all the rest of the acting.
3: Yeah, the official website actually has like some bonus episodes on it where they have like audio comments for the cast of Dead Hunt, and there's like six people, eight people.
0: I really enjoy audiobooks with like a full cast. Those like a full cast audiobook. Those are really good. I, I think I like them even more than I like audio dramas.
4: I see that you put some thought into picking something here, not like mine. I just chose randomly, and <laughs> popped up.
2: Oh, we know you just chose randomly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it took me maybe five ten minutes, but uh, you know I put a little bit of thought into. It. I wanted to get. I didn't want to like be the person to kill the the book review, like some
4: people were. <laughs> But aren't you better for it? <laughs> Struggling through it.
0: <laughs> I made certain Dan to to keep telling Resno ahead of time that he has to pick a book. He has to pick a book just so <laughs> he wouldn't get. Because I did the same with you, and you you blew it off till the last minute.
2: <laughs> well, on the upside, for the next time that it ends up being my decision again, I have another book. While wow, you've already pre-selected a book, I have already selected a book.
1: And this this
2: book will be awesome on a stick.
0: And then, some.
3: oh wow!
1: I
0: I got one too. I, I can't wait for my next turn.
3: I got nothing.
2: <laughs> You'll get something. Dan, you don't get another choice. <laughs> <laughs> That's too bad. You've been voted off the island. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. <laughs> oh no, he has to stick around. <clears throat>
0: The vote kick in this show means the rest of us hang up on Dan.
4: (laughs) Somebody translate that, please.
0: He said, thank you for listening. We'll join you next time for the audiobook review of Dead Hunt. Please be sure to listen to the audiobook before listening to the show so that you don't have to uh, hang up on or or quit the the show on us after the, the review.
3: Yeah, because dead speak is really efficient. Good night, everybody.
0: Hey, good night. Goodbye. Toodles. Good night. Thanks for listening.
5: You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All BINREV projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to LunarPages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Sharealike, 3.0 license.
4: Wait, were we supposed to record ourselves?